It says, When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the law had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which, he'd made, which was made up of men and women and, and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and women and the others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on the right stood Mattaiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Masaniah. And on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Machajai, Hashem, Hashbenah, Zechariah, and Meshalam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. They bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shep- Shepathai, Hodiah, Masai, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites, all who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those people who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been known to them. Thanks, Daniel, for doing that reading. He did well reading all those, those names, didn't he? I know that uh, we, were, we were studying this passage with the uh, Grey Matters last Tuesday and uh, we were reading round and the people had got to those names, I think some of them said wheelbarrow or something a few times, rather than try and pronounce the names, they got stuck with them. But it's a, it's a word of God and it's really great that we can read it together. Let's pray together and then we'll go on with the, the message that I uh, feel the Lord wants me to bring tonight. Lord, we want to thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. We pray, Lord, that we might hear from you, that in the midst of all that's been happening tonight, that each person that's here might receive something that they need to hear from you, so that each of us might go home knowing that we've met with you 
and knowing that you've spoken to our hearts and our lives and that you've given us some spiritual food that can sustain us as we seek to live for you. And so we just commit ourselves to you now and we pray for this time together that we might really be blessed and encouraged because we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. One of the things is a bit of a risk. I've had this bad flu and uh, this is the first time I've uh, been uh, actually preached since uh, having the flu and my voice is still a little bit scratchy so I trust I'll be able to get, get through tonight. Uh, one of the things is that we've, uh, I've entitled the message Another Fresh Start because that's what it really is, it's another start for these people as the Israelites were there in the land rebuilding in Jerusalem. And uh, one of the things that you know is we, if you look at on TV, there's what the, what, what's the, uh, the program that we're all about, the renovations, the block? Any of you watch, any of you watch that at all? You some, yeah, some people watch it, some people like those shows and some people don't. But one of the things is that when you, you see people doing renovations, and any of you, if you've done renovations, there's always more that can be done. You start off and you can get one job and you get a, go from one job to another to another and once you fix something else, one thing up, you find there's other things to be fixed up. The, the work of rebuilding is never finished. Now the Israelites, the, the situation for them was that they'd rebuilt the, the wall in 52 days, they'd completed the job and they were probably feeling a little bit worn out and some of them were probably feeling a bit tired, we've got this this building job done, we've got the, the work done, we've got the, the wall up and we're managing to, to get started and getting on with the job and, uh, and some of them may have been feeling just worn out and that's true isn't it but some of us when we're doing involved in any sort of work and particularly when you get tired you may not look after yourself, you may not care for yourself and so there's a danger that you can neglect to, to care for yourself and uh, Sometimes people end up having physical, emotional and spiritual breakdowns uh, when they're in, after being involved in, in a lot of ministry for a while because it brings a lot of stress and it makes, it, uh, it get, makes life a little bit uncomfortable at times. Now, New, Nehemiah knew that there was a lot more that needed to be done because whilst they were working on the wall and as they were doing things, God was drawing them together in a team and they were becoming a strong team of people that were doing a job. And now the wall is completed. God was continuing with this, this process of building into their lives, building things into their lives. Those of you who've been involved in any sort of Christian ministry know it's not so much what you do for God, it's what God does in your life as you serve Him, as you're involved in work and in ministry and activity because you're learning things about yourself, you're learning more about what it means to walk with God and God is using us to, to do things for Him, but He's also building us up and making us into the people that God wants us to be. And so that's what was happening for these people. They, they were there, God was shaping their characters, God was moving amongst them and building them together as a people. Now, one of the things was that they came back to this land... And it wasn't a very attractive place, there was, it was run down. Jerusalem was, there weren't too many houses in Jerusalem and it wasn't a very attractive place to, to, to actually to live. You find as we go on in chapter 11, they even had a, a sort of, try, they had a bit of a census to try and get people to go and actually one in ten to go and live in Jerusalem itself because it wasn't the best place to live. 
It wasn't the most attractive place. And so as they were, we, we see here in chapter 8, the, the values of these people come to the fore. And as we go to the, the first eight verses, and we've had the, the first 12 verses of chapter 8 read to us, we find that here's this situation where the, the people come together and they gather together and the word of God is read. Now, when did this happen? Of course, it, it tells us in chapter 7, verse 73, and chapter 8, verse 2, it tells us it was on the, the first day of the... the, the, the it was the and first day of the month, of the seventh month, through to about the 24th day. There was this big continuous celebration that went on in this year 444 BC. And you know where it occurred? Normally they would worship in the temple. That was the place where they normally worshipped. But on this occasion they didn't, did they? It tells us in chapter 8, they assembled one, as one man in the square before the water gate. And there they were, in, out in the open, gathered together. Now what's the significance of that? For the Jews, they had a, a temple that as they went in from, from the outside in, less and less people could participate. And in, right, it came right into their most holy place. It was only the high priest went in there once a year to offer sacrifices. On this occasion, there they are out in the open. Out there in the open. And all of the people could come together. So, well, what were they doing then? Well, we've read, haven't we? We've, we've heard what it said. That it was this team effort, this great big pulpit put up with Ezra in the middle, the scribe, and this is the first time he'd been mentioned for about 13 years. He's there leading in this, jo this exercise. There were people on the other, one on the right and one on the left. Having some problems with the sound, are they? Is that better? Is that better, Daniel? Okay. I can't hear, you know, all I can hear is my own voice from, and here I can't tell what's going through the sound system very well. Thanks for that. Really appreciate the work that the sound the tech guys do. And so here it was. We were, well, yeah. So what were they doing? They were, they were, they were there for this, this time when they were actually, the, you know, Ezra was reading all this out and there's a whole group of people there and they were reading the Word of God. And the word of God was going out and the people were hearing. Now, we don't know what passages of scripture they were reading. We've got no idea what scriptures they were reading. <coughs> All we know is that, excuse me, the first day of the month was a, a special feast called the Feast of Trumpets. And then on the 10th day, they had the Day of Atonement. And then on the 15th day, they had the, the Feast of Tabernacles. And so on the first day that we're reading about, this was the, the day of the Feast of Trumpets, there they were out in the open doing all this reading of the Word of God. And people were, were hearing the Word of God being read. As I said, we're not sure what passages that were being read, but all we know the results were, <coughs> as we go to verses 8 and 9, Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the scribe, and the Levites were instructing the people, and they said to them, This day is a sacred day to the Lord. Do not mourn or weep. For the people were weeping. They were being convicted. And they were sure, they were realising <coughs> that they weren't living the way that they should have been living. And there was a deep sense of conviction. 
And they were encouraged not just to, not only just to weep, but not, they weren't saying, you know, you shouldn't be sorry for your sin and all that sort of thing. But they're saying also this day is a, a day of celebration. We want to celebrate and we want to rejoice in the Lord. And so they, that's what they, they, they went ahead from there. In other words, the people were saying, we want to hear from God. <coughs> and it tells us in verses 13 to 18 how that they, they went on from then over the coming days to celebrate this, this Feast of Tabernacles or this Feast of Booths where the, the Bible, <coughs> where the, the Word of God had a real impact upon them. One of the things we know, it tells us in the Bible that the, all Scripture is God-breathed for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so that's what the Word of God does. And I'm sure that's what was happening there as the Word of God was being read and as the people were hearing from the Word of God, God was speaking to them and there was this sense of being convicted, they were being rebuked and corrected and so on. <coughs> and all those sorts of things were going on. Because we know that the Word of God is a a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, as it says in the Psalms. And of course, we didn't have, all have copies of the, of the Scriptures. They didn't have all copies of the Bible. I'm not sure how many copies they had, but there was this group of third, uh, uh, Nehemiah and 13 others, and plus others who were there. A whole team effort was involved in this, this teaching of the Word of God and reading the Word of God. And as the, the celebration went on day after day after day after day, as, as they started to, to moved in and, and celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, they wanted to hear from God. And of course, we know that the Holy Spirit is the one who's given the Word of God, because it tells us in, in, in 2 Peter, for the prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so, one of the, one of the question that, I, that goes through my mind, how do we value the Word of God ourselves? How, how much <coughs> value do we place on the Word of God? It's only just in recent times since the inventing of, invention of printing presses and so on that Bibles have been <coughs> made available so readily for everybody and people can read the Word of God, and, and many of us would probably have, uh, you know, several copies of the Scriptures. But as we've seen even on, our, on, on their, our screen tonight, there are many places in the world where people don't even have one copy of the Word of God at all. We have lots of resources for ourselves here, uh, and we have lots of things that we can use, and lots of uh, things we can refer to, and uh, we can read, and we, we're really spoiled in that way. But I wonder... How much value do we really place on the Word of God itself? <coughs> I'm just going to move on now to chapter 9 because then chapter 8, that's what was going on, this whole celebration and this process was going on. And then when you come to chapter, we go on chapter 9, they, you know, as we think, as I'm just going to do a quick resume of what I think was going on for these people. One of the things is that they were struggling in living in this unwelcome environment, this place that they'd returned to that wasn't a very nice place to live. And they were always on their alert, on their, on the alert because of the, the enemy that could have come and attacked them and, and they were conscious of all of the opposition. But one of the things is that they really appeared to be determined to live by God's guidelines. They were prepared, really prepared to obey the word of God. And one of the things is that we need to, when we're going to follow the word of God, we need to have 
balance of what God, you know, we need to, what God requires and re- review and evaluate where our lives are. One of the things I just ask you, how long is it since you've done a stock take of where you're going spiritually? How long is it, is it since you've just sort of had a bit of an evaluation of where you're going in your life, the things that you're doing, the places you go, the things you do, the way you're, you live your life? Is it under the direct, is it under, you're living according to the guidelines of God's word? Because God became the focus of, of worship for these people. Because that's one of the things, as they were reading the word of God, the, their, their worship was enriched, they were there meeting with God, they were conscious they were in the presence of God, and they knew that the God was there at work. They knew that God was in this place. They knew that God was doing something very special for them. And so as we come to chapter 9, we're going to read, I'm going to read just the, the first few verses of chapter 9 and then make some comments and give a brief summary of what I believe this chapter 9 is about and just tie, it and tie all this whole section up together. In chapter 9, verse 1, it says, On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and having dust on their heads. Those of the Israelite descent had separated themselves from the foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the wickedness of their fathers. Verse 3, they stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord, their God, for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession in worshipping the Lord, their God. Standing on the stairs were the Levites, Jeshua and Barnai and Kedemiel and Shebaniah and Bunai and Sherebiah and Dani and Kanina, who called with loud voices to the Lord, their God. And the Levites, and I won't read the rest of their names there, They said, stand up and praise the Lord your God who is from everlasting. Blessed be the glorious name. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. And so I reckon it would have been a fantastic to be in that group and to see God being worshipped to be the enthusiasm and the passion of these people as they were wanting to really hear from God, they wanting to, to honour God, they wanting to worship God, they wanting to be in God, they, they, wanted to, they were pleased that they were there reading and hearing from God. In other words, they, they really were encountering God in a very definite way. And so as they, as they were there, re, as they hearing from God, you know, they were involved in several spiritual exercises they were, they were sort of separating themselves and saying, this is not appropriate for us to live this way. They were confessing their sins. They were reading from the book of the law for a quarter of the day. And then they, and then they, they spent a quarter of the day in confession and worship. Hours, this went on for hours. Some of us you know, sort of wonder about, well, 10 or 15 minutes or prayer or whatever. They spent this time pouring out their hearts to God, hearing from God, meeting with God. One of the things that I was, as I read this passage, I thought, now, what helps me draw close to God? What sort of things am I doing that's, that it's going to help me to draw close to God? Because in the book of James, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then it goes on to talk about resisting the devil and he will flee from you. So what process do you and I engage in? We need to, to think and evaluate and take stock of our lives. Now, what are we doing that help us Meet with God and, and draw close to God. Here, these people, there was this great movement where there was a whole crowd of people and it went on for, for days. It started on one day and went on over a period of few, uh, several weeks. There they were, meeting with God and God was meeting with them. 
and it would have, you know, we're only given very general, a general description of all that happened. We're not given all the, the fine details of it. But then we find, as we, as we go on into chapter 9, we find that here Ezra, the scribe, leads them in a really long prayer. And as you go from uh, verse, <coughs> verse 5, it says, Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens and the highest heavens and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that's in them, the seas and all in them. You give life to everything and the multitudes of heaven worship you. So here is Ezra leading this people in prayer and the people were there with him and they were participating with him and were in tune with what he was praying. And he goes on, it gives a, a great big summary of where history of the Israelite people and all the things that they'd been through. You know, verses 5 and 6, they worshipped God as their creator and recognised him as Yahweh the Lord. They're reminded also, as you go through this passage, <coughs> of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In verse 20 it says, You gave your good spirit to instruct them. In verse 30, For many years you were patient with them, and by your spirit you admonish them through your prophets. And so he's referring to the, the ministry of, of God the Holy Spirit back in that time. And God, despite their unfaithfulness, despite the fact that they had not always been faithful, in verse 25 it says, They captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possession of houses and filled with all kinds of good things, wells already dug, vineyards and olive groves and fruit trees in abundance. They ate, all, ate to the full and they were well nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. And you go through this passage, you'll see several references to this. The way that God, in his grace, in spite of their mistakes, in spite of their failures, in spite of their sin, God blessed them. And isn't that true of us? We call it God's grace, don't we? God, if we got all that we deserved from God, we would never have a place in eternity with him. We would be cast into hell forever. But in his grace and in his mercy, he commended, God commended his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he goes on, he goes right through and makes a whole lot of references to the historical things. And then he comes back to where are we at right now. He finishes off and says, we need your help right now, God. Verse 36. <coughs> but see, we are slaves today, slaves in the land you gave your forefathers so that they could eat its fruit and other good things in its produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the king you are placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. We're in big trouble, he says. We're not even free. We're under the Persians and we're putting all this effort in, into to grow things and to do things. And that's because that's, that's really what they were celebrating at, at this time. It was a harvest festival. And we're putting all this effort and all this energy and we're not even free. We are in big trouble. God, please help us in our situation right now. 
We need your help today. We need it right now. Some of you might be feeling that way right now. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what things you're facing. I don't know what's going on for you, but God does. And maybe right now you can pray a prayer like that for yourself. Lord, I need your help right now. And Ezra prayed that prayer for his people as he led his people in prayer. And then he goes on in verse 38, in view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders and our Levites and our priests are affixing their seals to it. He goes on and makes a covenant. And we, and we, and we go on next, next Sunday, we're going to be talking further about the implications of that commitment. But he first and foremost said, God, I need your help. And do you know something? If we call out that prayer to God, God will hear our prayer and God will answer your prayer. If you need God's help, he will be there. He will listen. He will hear. He will answer. Call upon me and I will answer. And so I've finished what I've got to say. I'd just like to just wrap up with the conclusion. There's in just a few, of several little points that I'll make on the conclusion. There's a deep-seated joy in knowing we have been faithful in, in how we live and serve God, and these people knew that. There are some things that we are expected to give a higher priority, and we're fighting God. The Holy Spirit will show us what they are. But remember, we are a work in progress. God has started to work in your life, and he's going to continue to work in your life. You know, one of the things that we need to do, if we're in doubt about how we should be living in life, we need to read the instructions, don't we? And that's why we've got the word of God. And that's what these people were doing. The Israelites here kept it simple. God had given us, simple, it's not a simplistic plan, it's a simple plan. Do what I tell you. Follow my instructions. The thing is, it's left with us, isn't it? It's up to us if we're going to follow God's instructions. We need to be just simply making ourselves available and saying, but if we need help, you need help tonight from God, he'll help you. Turn to him. Ask him. Tell him about the situation you're facing and he'll be there to meet you. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you that you're a great God. We want to thank you that we have the word of God that can, that's quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you that we can read it and we can meditate upon it and we can grow in grace and the knowledge of you through it. And we pray that you'll help us to be people who are of making ourselves available to you and committing all of our situations to you and allowing you to be at work in them. We just thank you for this time together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.